Hello, this is Zenochat, a Zeno-themed podcast um, that covers everything from Zenogears, Zenosaga, all the way to Zenoblade. My name is Tyler. I am the host, along with my co-host, Justin. Hello, everybody. And today we are here with a special guest, Pure. Hello. And yeah, we're going to be talking uh, with him about uh, some production side of things, along with uh, other things within the series. But let's first start off um, what I'd like us to kind of do in these episodes, like start off with recent news within Zeno, the Zeno series. Um, So first, let's start with uh, uh, Zeno Gears, um, because I believe either the end of last month or the beginning of this month, the Fei Fong Wong figure came out. Is that right? Yes, it did. All right, and Justin, you told me you already got yours, correct? Yep, it's still in the box. I haven't opened it yet, but it looks absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh, I am so jealous of you right now. Yeah, I cannot wait to open it up and play with it, because it just looks absolutely gorgeous. All right, and Ellie is supposed to come out... uh, I'm not certain when. It's supposed to be this year, right? Or... Yeah, I believe Ellie is this year, along with Welltall. I think uh, I think Ellie is November. I'm not 100% sure, though. Don't quote me on that one. Yeah, okay. I have to check again. Well, it makes sense if they want to get it out this year for the 20th anniversary. But yeah, I uh, ordered from Square Enix, and they still say a September 2018 release date for Faye. And I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be getting it this month. Watch you get it next year. <laughs> oh no! Twentieth anniversary will be over by that point. Right. Yeah, right. And enjoy your twenty-first anniversary, Faye figure. <laughs> oh no! You know it's kind of funny. Um, we're recording this on September 9th. Today's the day the Dreamcast came out. Nine nine ninety nine. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and I think the Sonic movie also came out that day, too, or something like that. They they had a whole bunch of things planned for the Dreamcast launch. I sadly was not part of the the Dreamcast experience. You and a lot of people. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> it's right. because Any... they didn't release it on the Dreamcast. Xenogears should have been on Dreamcast. Someone should do that. Do like a Gleamcast as Xenogears. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I try to imagine how uh, how uh, sort of dated the cutscenes would have been, because you know they would have went with the 3D models for that, and it, right. it, would, it would have been like, uh, and, uh, you know that infamous screenshot of Sonic talking with his mouth open? That'd be like Ellie. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Alright, so uh, moving on, uh, like with the uh... Let's see, Xenosaga, they announced a uh, a figure for uh, Cosmos from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, how, how do we uh, feel about this? Hey, the more Cosmos merch, the better. Yeah, I, I had made a tweet about it when they first announced it. It was basically like, if you're, if you're surprised about this, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> That's true. That's Yeah, they've pimped out Cosmos for so many years now. Yeah, seriously. Um, when I was in Japan a f- couple months back, I went to the store in Akihabara, 
and they had like a whole bunch of like capsule toys, but like open, and you could just buy them. And I remember finding like a section that just had a bunch of Cosmos and like different colors of her toe. Uh, you're when I visit Japan, you're gonna have to tell me where that store is. Absolutely, you're gonna love it. You're gonna put <laughs> all your money there. Probably. <laughs> I, my friend went to. Uh... I don't know what kind of store it was, but uh, I, I think they sold a lot of video games and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what what, what kind of store it was. But I, I believe he said it, it was in like it wasn't in like no, it's not a Japanese friend. He was in he was in New Jersey, and uh, oh wait, where in Jersey? I, I don't Jersey. know exact. Oh really? Wow, I'll, I'll ask him. Um, but uh, yeah. he said uh, he saw a Cosmos figure in that store, and I remember like I thought that was so well, was so odd. Like I I. <laughs> I, I, I I probably should have asked him where it was too, because uh, I yeah, because uh, I probably know the store. <laughs> yeah, like he. Uh, the thing is, people probably assume I have like every Xeno figure ever, mm-hmm. and the, the the actual reality is that I don't have a single Xeno Saga figure. So there you go. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I'm uh, actually. Y- you might be surprised. <laughs> I uh, the only Xeno figure I have is a Shulk Amiibo. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I only have... I, uh, if you want to get technical, I have two of them. But th- that's it. I don't have uh, I don't have any other kind of like fancy merchandise from them. Uh, that probably sounds a little strange, but... You know, some oh, people no, don't. not at all. Well, well, some people that know me will probably be surprised, I guess, to hear about that. But, yeah, not <laughs> nothing. Not, no, no figures, no, uh, no mechs. Nothing. Just, just oh. a Shulk Amiibo, and that's it. That's fine. It's it's an expensive hobby. I I can attest to that. So, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, last but not least, we have some Xenoblade Two news. Um, well, last big update uh, added Elma. Uh, that was pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's great. But I don't have the expansion pass yet because I'm uh, waiting for the Torna DLC to come out. All right. Right. And I believe you've already gotten her, right, Tyler? Yes, yes, I have. Um, which I kind of cheat because the uh, they added the, the custom difficulty to the game, where you can kind of adjust it to however you want. So I like put everything to its lowest, and yeah, I was pretty terrible. I mean, it still took like a surprisingly long time to fight her, even with the difficulty adjusted all the way down, but. Uh, it was it was worth it. Tyler, you're such a scrub. Come on, I, man. I, I know. I'm just I'm just terrible at video games. So jeez, <laughs> gotta use cheats. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, they pro- they Molotov provided it, so I I I I think it's fine. Uh, well, I don't have her, but that's uh, I suppose that's to be expected when you I haven't I haven't played the game since January, so. Oh wow. Damn. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Speaking of Torna, that uh, that comes out for the expansion pass on Friday, doesn't it? And then the physical release is like the week after. Or? Yeah, it's like the twenty something. I gotta like check my order because I'm getting the physical version of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I I'm also getting the physical version. I guess see what day that comes out. I believe it's, it's the twenty fourth. Oh, the physical version. Yeah, you are probably right, because that sounds correct. Yeah, 
it looks like, according to Amazon, it says the 21st. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe I'm a... Uh, I'm just a, a fool, and I'm wrong. Nah. Uh, it's nah, fine. you're in the right ballpark, so that's all good. Yeah? You know, I guess while we're still on the subject of Xenoblade 2 and the, uh, you know, what they did with Elma, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to the story while we're talking, so maybe I'll just tell it now. Well, that's fine. Go ahead. Do it. If you, I guess if you've followed me for a while, you probably know that I, I'm able to speak to a few people that work at the company, and, uh, and there's one <gasps> person in particular that I'm fairly good friends with at this point, and uh, at least he's the only one that I, I, I speak to somewhat regularly, mm-hmm. and when Xenoblade 2 was, you know, you know how they were doing the, uh, it was like a daily Blade reveal or whatever on their Twitter? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, there was one time he sent me a message where he said, I think you'll like what we revealed tonight. And uh, I didn't think too much of it. I just sent a response like, oh, really? I'll, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And mm-hmm. that blade would turn out to be a zombie. Probably not the reveal that you were expecting me to say. <laughs> I, think, I think he was just familiar with my tastes and just thought, well, if it's weird and creepy, he'll probably like it. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I liked it. You know, I, uh, I thought the reveal was so, cool. But, uh, so he basically saw that you like goth girls and was just like, yo... I got a zombie. You got to check this out. I think I think just like anything <laughs> that's like a vaguely horror aesthetic. I think. <laughs> no, a zombie's a cool blade, though. Yeah, I, I, I like her a lot. I saw the blade and I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, I I liked it, but I wasn't like you know super hyped or anything. I you know I didn't think much of it. So uh, mm-hmm. a, a little while later, uh, this is the uh, the day before Xenoblade Two came out. I see a message. He leaves me. Uh, it's very unusual, and it was it was a little suspicious because he sent me something that said, "I think you'll." Uh... No, no, he said, the message was, uh, "Look forward to tonight." Smiley face, oh. and it was in English, which he never types me in English. So okay, that doesn't sound as bad because before we were just like, "I think you'll like this." Uh, it sounds a little shady. <laughs> I think you'll like this uh, goth blade we got coming. No, no, but this is the day before Xenoblade Two came out, and he said, "Look forward." <laughs> To tonight, smiley face, very weird in English. Yeah. That never happens. Right. And uh, um, I and the thing is, when he sent me that, because of the Azami thing, again, I, I liked it, but I wasn't like super ecstatic. So when he sent me that message, I thought he was just, uh, I don't, I, like, I just kind of blew him off. I didn't send a response or anything. Like I literally, I, like in my head, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Like I just, <laughs> I did not care. And uh, and of course, later that night, I just I'm looking in my feed on Twitter and. I'm not paying attention to the text that's in the tweet. I just see, you know, the vector, like, little case, and I just see Cosmos coming out of it in the video. And I... I, I didn't, It didn't even register at first. I thought they were just playing... At first, I thought they were playing a scene from the game, from the first game, and I thought, why are they playing this? What are they doing? Like, what? this has nothing to do with Xenoblade. And no, it's just Cosmos in the game, and I... I, I, I I'm, I'm going to be straightforward about this, they, Monosoft almost never does twists that actually surprise me. Yeah. But I, I could say that in the past, like, seven years or whatever, this is the only twist that surprised me. Because I, <laughs> I did not see that coming. And anyway, he left me a message, and I still didn't see it coming. I, I completely ignored it. Now I, I feel so, I feel like a, a, a moron 
for, for not even <laughs> heeding his warning. <laughs> well, hey, you, there was no way you could have guessed that would have happened. I don't think anybody guessed that. That just came out of, like, complete left field. Yeah, I remember uh, even uh, remember Takahashi in, a, in an interview, he... Uh, they brought they brought Cosmos being in Xenoblade too, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, you know, it was it was you know it was all for fun and all that." But then he he sounded like a little kid when he says, "Yeah, and I got ten thousand retweets. It was so cool. It was like <laughs> he sounded like an old man that never used social media. That he got like his first viral tweet, and he was like so happy. It was so weird." Uh, uh, yeah, that's that was nice. Yeah, I had no idea that was coming either, and I was so excited when I heard it. All right. Um, so, with that being said, how about we uh, move on? And Pure, how about you kind of tell us? Uh, I, it sounds like you might have started a little bit, but kind of tell us about your history with uh, the Zeno series overall. All right. Well, um, I do remember when you guys told your stories in the last episode. Uh, how kind of you to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm only bringing that up because. Uh, I felt kind of bad because uh, I realized just how uninteresting my story was in comparison. Oh. It was uh, it's a pretty pedestrian way to get into the series. Uh, so, so people seem to think that. Uh, well, not too many people. I've had a few people. They they seem to not actually out, outright think this, but they seem to act like uh, I was following uh, the production of Xenogears back in like 1997. I must have been in the office. I must have been must have been breathing down Takahashi's <laughs> neck. As he was giving direction orders to all these people, and no, nothing like that happened. I, I knew, I knew nothing about the game when I played it. I uh, did not follow it whatsoever. It, it was there was no there was no immediate interest other than this is a Square game on the PlayStation, and Square's made some games I really like, so I'm gonna give this a try. And that was that's the story of how I played Xenogears. That's that's the that's how I got into it. There's really there's there's nothing special about the way I got into it. It was just, well, it's just, just thing that lied. happened. You should just lied to us, cause like that, cause I had this amazing image in my head right now of you like in Square Enix, just going behind Takashi like Takahashi sama. Uh, what is this game you're playing? <laughs> yeah, like like I think some people, I guess because of some of the tweets I've made, like I guess they just think I, I I've just been following this thing since. Yeah, uh, like its inception. I, I, I must be related to Takahashi in some way. I must be like his. Yeah, you are. Like his, his You are Takahashi. His nephew, uh, like, like, uh, uh, you know that picture is like a picture of uh, some of the the main heads of that were behind uh, Chrono Trigger, and they're like in front of the game on like a TV. I think mm-hmm. like Toriyama's yeah. in it. There's, there's like all these guys are there and. Uh, uh, that's what I picture people like probably seem to think of me. And then I'm I'm sitting there and there's Xenogears is on the TV. It's like me and Takahashi and like all these guys. <laughs> it's just it's just. Uh... You're about to go have a drink with Takahashi when we're done with this. Don't lie to us. We know this. We know your plans. I've been on to you. I've been like spying you yeah, for the he's, last like, five years. Uh, he's, he came to visit. Uh, you know he's in he's in New York right now. He's he's yeah. he's, 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 he's at the airport. We only have like two hours, and then I gotta get get out of here because I don't want to. I don't want to leave him behind. Yeah, but there's people who actually like think that I've like 
I guess I've been around forever. Like, I was the first person in the fandom. And you couldn't be more wrong about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, pl- I played the game, and, uh, and, 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 and it's just, you know, the, the, the bland story continues because when I finished the game, I, I really liked the game. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I, I guess uh, when when some people had finished it, I guess you know some people say they. Well, I got really into the fandom and I couldn't stop thinking about the game for years. You know, at least maybe until like Xenosaga came out or something. I'm sorry if I'm using Xeno. I, it's going to be inconsistent because it, it's it's okay. It's the, all right. the thing is, is that uh, I've, I haven't had an, an extended conversation about this. I guess this meta series in in English with my voice in years. So, oh no! Oh. I, it's okay. I haven't had like an extended conversation like real life with in any language, so it's it's fair. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little strange. So if I say Zeno, it's because that's how I would normally say it in Japanese. So it's because if you say Zeno, you know, if you say Zeno Gears to someone in in Japanese, they're gonna, you know, this guy talks really funny. What's wrong with him? You know, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's the impression you're gonna give them. <laughs> So do you know Japanese? Yeah. Oh, have you ever played the games in Japanese or any of them? Just curious. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I'll, I'll get that when I when I get there because uh, okay, there's, cool. there's something a little little funny about that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I played Xenogears. I liked the game, but I kind of moved on from it a little quickly. It wasn't like I uh, wasn't obsessed with the game. I, I read Perfect Works and all that, but <laughs> even then, it's not like I was like I have to, you know, see what the fandom looks like or. You know, it was just probably a, a blessing in the skies. I mean, I, you know, I saw some of it. I was just more of a the rare lurker. I didn't really, uh, yeah, I didn't really uh, get involved. Again, blessing in the skies because uh, 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 you know I, I tend to get uh, I, I can only uh, like if I if I look at things like especially today and you know, if I go on like the, the Xenoblade subreddit or something, and I go there for ten minutes. I think that's that's like my limit. I can't take it anymore. I uh, <laughs> I have to cleanse the Zeno out of me for like a week after that. Fandom is a scary thing these days. But uh, as that's not to say it's like a bad place. I think a lot of the problem is me. But you know that's just the way I am. But uh, yeah, so I I finished the game and it's not like I forgot about it. But again, it wasn't like one of those things. I guess I had experienced so many things that were. I mean, not similar. I don't think there's anything quite like Xenogears, aside from other things that Takahashi's worked on, but I guess, for me, it was uh, just something I really liked. I think the, another part of it, not to get into, like, story details for now, but mm-hmm. I think another thing about it was, uh, obviously, everyone knows the second disc is... Uh, it, it could be a little underwhelming compared to the first mm-hmm. one. Uh, yeah. I think it, it, was, it was partly that that kind of slowed down the momentum for me. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I was never super happy with the ending, but I'm probably in a minority on that one. But yeah, that's I think that was probably a factor for me, like not sticking with it in the same way people seem to think I did. And that I uh, went and had a, you know, I was in the, there's like a story where uh, a lot of the people that worked on that game got together a little after it released. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a discussion about what they're going to do. I think it was more, people seem to think it's about like concepts for the next game or whatever, but it was... What people don't know is that a lot of it it was actually more business related. When you have, when you make a game like that, I guess the production talk came early. Um, when you make a game like that, it's not seen in the company as, uh, 
You know, it wasn't Final Fantasy or anything like that. The game was seen as, as somewhat of a risk. And it was more like... In a, more of a thing where they wanted to stick together. Which is why a lot of those guys that worked on that game left to join Monosoft. And, uh, and of course, there's uh, an even more infamous story of uh, uh, Masato Kato not being there despite being a, a relatively important part of that game. And instead he went swimming somewhere where everyone else was, was in an office at Square. He was swimming somewhere. And I, I, I feel like he might have joined Monosoft if he didn't decide to just go, you know, scuba. I know he went scuba diving. That, that's what he did. He was scuba diving. That's so badass. Yeah. It's totally him, too, because people... I don't think people realize how much of, like, a a free spirit he is. He really, uh... He doesn't like to be tied down. That's why he's a freelancer these days. You know, he's not, uh... He left Square not that long after that game. But, uh... I think, like, maybe four... Five years or something he left. And, uh... Yeah, he, uh, he was scuba diving. And I remember, I think, during that time, he was off. And again, still away from all these people. I don't think he even knew about the meeting or anything. He got like a call. It was from someone at Square, and uh, I think they asked him. Like they immediately asked him, like, "All right, so what are you going to do next?" And I guess, I guess he decided. On, I think that was Chrono Cross. That was like the next project that he would work on right away. Okay. So that's that's kind of why he never was involved with you know uh, any of that other stuff ever again. He was just he just does his own thing. You can't you can't control him. There's there's horror stories about this guy when he was working on the game, because I think when he's not in control, in, like the primary control of a scenario or something like that, he, he doesn't know what to do. He's, uh, <laughs> he's very all over the place. So, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, uh, very, uh, he's, he's definitely a character. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so, and I remember where I was before I said all that stuff. Uh, believe, uh, oh yeah, fandom, yeah, was just not really, in, was not like super into it at the time, mm-hmm. and then uh, at some point in the future, I did play uh, Xenosaga. Do you just kind of stumble into it as well, or? Yeah, you could sort of sum it up as something I stumbled into, yeah, I think that's the best way you could describe that, um, it just kind of happened, and uh you know, the, the thing is, I knew it was by Takahashi. It wasn't like I wasn't familiar with the man working on it, you know, the sort of the mind behind it, but uh, right. I guess I, I try not to give it too much attention. Like, it was just... I, again, like, the story for that isn't super special. It's just I played through the game and uh, I, I suppose the uh, my story for the second game was, might be a little more interesting just because I thought the game was so bizarre. <laughs> It was, uh, oh, yeah. I think everyone, uh, especially if you played it in, like, 2005, 2004, mm-hmm. uh, you probably, it was more jarring for you, you know, how, uh, how I guess, shocking some of the changes were in, in terms of directing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned um, the quip about, like, fandoms. I would have loved to have seen the fan reactions to, say, Xenosaga Episode 2, and all the changes, like, when that announcement came out that they were recasting everybody. I'm kind of curious to know, like, did people freak out about that? I think they did, but I, I can only imagine, like, how disappointed fans must have been at the time. When you say recasting, do you mean, like, development staff or actors? Actually, 
version. Um, the act, the actors, but yeah, I did remember hearing like um, there were some like development troubles too with the second game as well. Yeah, uh, again, we'll get into that, but mm. I remember. Uh, so here's the thing about episode two that's really strange. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess if you play uh, if you play the English version first. Uh, the music placement is actually better in that game than in the oh, Japanese wait. version. Wait, what? Really? Oh, yeah, no, the man. Japanese version does not have the, the exact same music placement. Huh. What? So, so you, you get to choose between two things. Uh, the English version has some uh, interesting voice choices and changes. Um, oh, yeah. You could say that. So, so you get to deal with... Uh, I think the Japanese cast is great for that game, but you know, so you, so you can have the the Japanese cast. You still do a, they still do a great job in that game, but you get mm-hmm. to have some really bizarre music placement, or you could have the spotty English voice track, but with better music placement. <laughs> so, oh, uh, wow, yeah, you can't have one without sacrificing the other. Pick your poison. I, I'm trying to remember an example. I'm I'm pretty sure I might be remembering it wrong. That scene, uh, I think it's after, uh, I think it plays after uh, Cecily and Kath die. Okay. And uh, there's, like, that scene where Shion's, like, she's like, sitting at, like, a table. She's, like, really upset. And Jin's, like, behind her trying to, like, kind of console her. Okay. And uh, I think it's that scene that the music placement is so bad in the Japanese version. The, and, and think of the English version, I don't remember if they even play music. I'm assuming, I think they play, like, some music by uh, Yuki, Yuki Kajira, because she did a lot of the scene music. But in the right. Japanese version, they play one of the other songs, like that poppy-sounding music. Oh, no, by the yeah. other composer? Yeah, as, as Shion is, is grieving and, and is angry oh. and upset, and it, it's so bad. Like it's If that was your first time being exposed to that scene, then uh, I think your impression of it is a little different from the English version, where that one's fine, like the voice work for that scene is, is fine, it's, and the music placement is, is much better. But in the Japanese version, and I, again, I might be wrong in that particular scene, but I'm pretty sure I'm remembering it right. The, the music is not—it's not good. It's—it's—it's it's, it's got some <laughs> bad music placement, and it's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a directing problem. That's uh, yeah. And I, again, we'll get into that a little later. But uh, well, 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 the thing is that because I can't remember the the composer's name, but I remember he's. He's actually a pretty good composer. He worked on the like nine 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 zero escape games, right? Right, and uh, Shinji Hozo and uh, yeah, oh yeah. He uh, recently did a uh, EX Fighting Layer, and his music is fantastic there. He's a he's a great composer, but he's not a good choice for that kind of game. Like if you oh, li- oh. Li- listen to episodes one soundtrack and then listen to his music in episode two, and it's like. <laughs> There's no way this is like the same game. Like this is you're, you, you know, if you told them that this was uh, they're both Xenosaga, they're both of them. Literally, this game literally comes after the other one, and they didn't know anything about the games. They wouldn't believe you. They think this has to be music for like a you know the music that plays in that scene I was talking about. It's got to be for like some kind of uh, a mini game. Like that, it's got to be something you hear in like Hatcox or something in the third game. There's no way that right. plays in a dramatic scene. It's just it's impossible. Exactly. Oh jeez, yeah, that was just bad directing at that point. Yeah. Uh so yeah, episode two was just it was just so strange, like uh and, and the battle system, I guess it's a love it or hate it thing. Um because yeah, didn't they for at least the American version, didn't they like up the difficulty or like increase the HP for like 
uh, encounters or something like that to make it more challenging than the Japanese version. One of them was harder than the other. I don't remember anymore. It's it's been a while since I played the English version, but why did they do that so much back then? I don't know why they always um, like would mess with difficulties when they localized it. Yeah, actually, uh, I had a pretty recent example of that. Of uh, you know that X Men arcade game by Konami. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I have the, the USA version. Like, I own the cabinet and everything. And it's, at least to me, it's much harder than the Japanese version because uh, the Japanese version gives you, like, health restoration and, uh, you know, like, you get, like, a mutant power-up that to restore your stuff. In English version, you don't get any of that. Like, you're you're screwed. It's a coin eater. Like, you're, you're, you're totally screwed. Yeah. You're, you're on your own, pal. And, and that's a Konami board. And that's a Konami board. I don't think you can, like, flash the region BIOS like you can on, like, a Neo Geo board. No, I don't, I don't think so. Konami boards are yeah. weird. They're... they're insanely ridiculous. I collect PCBs, too, and uh. it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not like, like a CPS3 board where you can get, like, a cart, a disc, and just be like, all right, I'm just going to mm-hmm. put this in here. It doesn't work that way. They have, like... Every game has, like, a different board, and it makes no sense, and it's very confusing. But, uh... Anyway, that's a, that's a different subject. That's, like... And now, now we're getting to like our arcade nerdy stuff. That um, I'm, but that's fun stuff. Oh no, it's it's great. I'm more I'm more probably more obsessed with that than I am with Zeno. But but uh, that's yeah, totally different. Something else I'm terrible at. <laughs> but well, how about this? Do you know what arcade machines they had at Square Enix when they were developing Zeno Gears? Well, not Square Enix, Square Soft, rather. Ah, oh, man, I don't remember. I just, I do remember that. Uh, I believe Takahashi used to beat all of his staff at fighting games. Really? Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a thing. I think he said that before. I think he said he was like the the king of the of fighting games in his office or something. They were definitely playing like Darkstalkers or something. Yeah, but but the, with the second game, the, the battle system was uh, a little strange because they they wanted to speed up the battle system from the first game. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the surface, if you're just looking at characters attacking and stuff, oh, I guess it's a little faster. And you realize, at least early on in the game, obviously the game you can change so many things as you level up. You know, once you get to a certain level, there's so many interchangeable like upgrades you can have. But uh, uh, you know, earlier on, you're you're kind of stuck stocking. You know, like like literally, that's what it's called, and you're kind of doing that over and over, and it ended up making right. it feeling even slower. So, a little strange there that it yeah. ended up working out that way. Yeah, I remember taking several turns just to stock up in order to actually attack with the moves I wanted to, and that was yeah, just made it repetitive as heck. Yeah, it got worse later on in the game because some of the enemies had really complicated. A break sequences. I forget the exact terminology for it. Yeah. So you could stock a bunch of turns, and then you had to do like you had to target like say A zone, then B zone, and C zone, and then A zone. But if you did like A zone, B zone, and then A zone, it, you completely ruined your whole setup. And I remember that like that pissed me off so much because I had to always look at a guide when fighting an enemy that I had to always remember. Oh, that's a a B B A. Oh wait, no, that's a B D A A. Like, come on. Actually, but before I even played, you know, Xenosaga Two as it was, my first exposure to that game was actually the demo in Xenosaga Freaks. I forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, I just got that recently, actually. Oh, congratulations! I don't know how rare that is. 
it's not that rare, but I don't see it that often. I was at Otakon and there was a vendor who had it. It was like ten, I think it was thirteen dollars. And I was like, all right, I'll take this. Cool. I love that. That's pretty good. Yeah, Xenos like Freaks is is really weird just because some of the mini games have some uh, not so talked about, really strange things. Like obviously there's the uh, you know the Xenokami thing, which is already pretty weird in and of itself. It's like a oh yeah, it's like a it's just a strange visual novel, but uh, and it's canon. Oh my God. yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of canon. It's it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's so but, weird that uh, it's canon. You uh, yeah, but there's like other things like a crossword puzzle, and I remember playing the crossword puzzle. One of my, the strangest memories I've ever had. But, uh, at least as far as these games go, but you're just kind of just playing with the crossword puzzle, and, uh, and as a, you know, I was kind of stumped at some point, and, uh, I decided to, to try to form the word, uh, sadist, because I couldn't come up with anything, and it worked. The word sadist works if you put it, I believe another, another, another word that would work is bra. So, I, oh I don't know why some of these words work, but they do. And I mean, free points for me, but it was, uh, yeah. I, again, everything about that, I feel like that game is like a, like when you have something like that in there, there's like a, it's like a potential creepy pasta in the mini games because it's just so. <laughs> there's like a, like if you keep playing it for a little while, like Albedo's head will like pop out on the side, and it's like, oh god, it's like, like who. Who's responsible for this? <laughs> that would be unsettling. But uh, yeah, and and I don't even remember that much of the visual novel stuff. Uh, I remember, uh, I, you know, I only fa- recently found out that you were doing a translation of it or or something something like that, right? Yeah. Um, well, my Japanese is terrible, so I've been working with uh, Kari Reiko. Uh, well, I used to. She's been really busy lately, but yeah, we were doing a Zenokami uh, project, but we have like two chapters left, and I, we've, it's been kind of on hold for a while. See, if I had known, I would have contacted you because I was also doing a translation of it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and uh, well, I mean, I do translation of a lot of things, but that was one of the things I was working on, like very on and off. Yeah, because you're, yeah. Because you were also working on uh, Xenosaga 1 and 2, weren't you? Or are you? Yes, I do need to clarify for everyone listening that uh, I'm not the guy that started working on it 10 years ago and then disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. I'm, I only started working on it earlier in the year. So. Okay, phew. You know, I, was, I had my fists raised and I was about to yell at you. But, uh, but that, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, so please, uh, you know, probably set my, uh, save myself a lot of uh, a lot of notifications on my Twitter, a lot of angry notifications about how I uh, haven't updated anything in in like four years, and how the whole game is apparently done except for the database, but I won't release it. It's not that I'm hating on, on the guy who worked on it. It's you know, it's it's his project. It's just yeah. I mean, either way, it was a serious undertaking. But uh, yeah, I was doing some of the you know the, the some of the visual novel of that game, but uh, it was so long ago, and I actually couldn't remember where I put the file, and I only discovered it recently. And I remembered like the last time I updated it was like I think June 2014 or something. Oh wow! 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm not like super deep into it. I think all the stuff that I did, you had already done one way or another. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's really strange. actually speaking of translation projects. Um, I actually just finished one, but I'm not the head of the project, so I don't know if I can talk about it yet. But I'll just say I finished one recently. Oh, nice. So uh, I, I did a translation check on it. It took a little while. But, uh, well, I, I could have done it in, like, two days, but I have, like, no motivation, so. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I understand that completely. See, I, I normally would, but I think it's it's specifically with Zeno. I, I just, the second I start working on anything, immediately it just dawns upon me. I actually kind of hate Zeno, so I just stop working on it, and then I go do something else. That That's, mm. how, it, that's how it happens every time. I'll do it for, mm. like, ten minutes, and I'll just stop. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? You know, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> that's, that's, it's like an epiphany every time. I, I've been better about it lately, because I finished that, and like I kind of sort of restarted from scratch, because I couldn't remember what I was doing with the translation check. I ended up doing it like a single weekend. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get some of my mojo back. But uh, it's something that, I, I won't say what it is, but it's something that I think a lot of fans have been waiting for for a, a while, because it's kind of an old thing, and it never had a proper translation ever. Definitely not in full, mm. not even close. Mm. So, uh, I think... Okay. Uh, but uh, it's something that's been around for a long time at this point. So I, I remember when he, uh, this person offered the project, kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, I was I was kind of surprised. I was like, this thing doesn't have a translation. I was like, really? I was like, I, I scoured the internet for a while, and I was like, he's right. There's no translation of this thing, and it's it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many of those older RPGs and. Not even just RPGs, just games in general. Like, the Super Famicom has so much unlocalized crap, it's not even funny. And, like, the Saturn as well is another is another console that's basically just, like, a free-for-all. Like, there's so many games that haven't been translated. Now you have me curious, because I'm trying to rack my brain on what hasn't been translated in the Zeno. And it's... Mm, I, I, I can't wait to hear what, what this project is. So... Uh, back to Xenosonic 2, man, we went way off topic. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. We're, we're going to be forever. We're going to be for like three hours before I can get through the, the whole series and just talking <laughs> about it. We're going to be here forever. Yeah, somehow Xenosonic 2 has been the, the hottest talking point. Isn't that bizarre? That is very bizarre. It doesn't happen often, so let's enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah, the, the battle system was... I didn't hate it. You know, People might think I had this super negative impression. I didn't hate it or anything. I just thought it was, it was really weird. Like, I thought they had... I guess I thought they had something on with the first one, so I was like, man, they changed it so much. And uh, they kept some of the stuff the same, but... Now, I, 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 do, you, do you guys like the battle system, or...? Uh, nope. Uh, well, <laughs> wow. Oh, that, that was uh, pretty instantaneous. <laughs> like, seriously, man, you gotta have the patience of a saint for that battle system. And just, like, being able to remember all those zone combinations, and <laughs> just being able to put up with the load times... Yeah. You know, like, the battle starts, and each ass has to load one at a time, and it takes for. Yeah, I think if they, like, reduced the load times and lowered enemies' health, I I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah. But I, I, it was alright. I, I often forget that that game had, like, double-team attacks, though, because that's just, I don't know, they were really weird. What was the one where it was, like, the dance. Oh, chaos and chaos. <gasps> oh, yeah. And then you like, and it was even weirder when you had your swimsuits on, and then you did it. Man, I never tried that. <laughs> no, I don't think I will now. 
I didn't hate it. I thought it was like the bathroom was, was. I guess it was okay, but I think I at first I didn't like. It. At first I was like, oh god, am I? You know, this might be my last day on this earth by the time I'm done playing this game. But uh, it was. Uh, but then as as you go on, you gotta you kind of get through some certain upgrades. It's it's very easy to kind of break and make a character overpowered. So kind of you know, find my way through the ropes. Uh, also, uh, my advice if to anyone who hasn't played the game. And uh, you want to be really good at it early on. Uh, for some bizarre reason, Momo is really overpowered early in the game. Like it's like yeah, shocking. Yeah. It's oh. weird. It's 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 incredibly unbalanced. She's like she is stronger than everyone else for quite a while, and it's by a lot. Yeah, I remember using her a lot when I played it because you're right. She had like those elemental attacks did a bunch of damage, and I think like. She could just break enemies very quickly. Yeah, she she was just really OP. Yeah, she upgrading from that wand to uh, bow and arrow was yeah. pretty pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, my impression of the game when I was done with it again, I didn't dislike it or anything. I know a lot of people. I think about the the fandoms that if something uh, it's very easy to get incredibly passionate and positive. Right. But they're also very quick to be very, uh, kind of turn their backs and be very negative, like very fast. And Absolutely. I, I feel like there's no in between, and that, I think that that's probably a big reason why I can't even get into it because it's like I'm not the kind of person that gets. Uh, I, I guess I don't get super enthusiastic uh, all the time. Like I don't, not usually, and I don't like to get super negative either. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like it's like jarring. It's like it's gotta be one or the other, and I'm like. You know, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. You just no more, no more of this. <laughs> but I didn't like hate it or anything. It was, you know, it was. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there are some good parts of Zeno uh, Saga too. I mainly dislike the battle system, and I think Tyler and I we discussed this last episode that there's some genuinely great things in Zeno Saga too. Like the story wasn't bad for what it was. Um, there are some great moments. Albino yeah. is a fantastic villain. Oh, yeah, so yeah. there's you definitely, are... like, praise um, to be given to Xenosaga 2. It's just, unfortunately, that battle system wasn't as great as it probably could have been. But otherwise, the music wasn't wasn't too bad. The graphics were pretty good. Um, yeah, and the story was fine. The cutscenes were really well animated. I think there was some censorship, too. Like, I think there were some scenes where they toned down the blood. Yeah, uh, sort of. They had a... Uh... That one oh, scene, uh, yeah, Albedo exactly. Scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. where right. he he uh, in the Japanese version he blows his head off with he a gun. Of, yes, that one. And in the other one, he has a an energy blast and he blows his head <laughs> off. And and the funny thing is that the censored version makes more sense because how does your entire head come off from a pistol? And right, it doesn't make any sense. How does that? He should, it should just be like a hole in his head and he should just fall to the floor. It'd, it'd be and, dark, but I mean, it, it would make he, sense. And where did he get that gun from? I don't, I don't know. I mean, internet. <laughs> you think that you think all the the RTVs just have like guns, like just just like in like their back pockets. They just walk around, like, like just constant. They just have a whole armory of just like weapons in their room. It's, it's like, like oh, it's like yeah, just walking around the the Yuriev Institute with guns. That's a, that sounds safe and fine. Yeah, we, we've got uh, we've got all these superhumans walking around. What do we give them? Oh, let's give them some guns. It's it's not enough. <laughs> 
you could blow your head off with an energy blast, but uh, we're going to give you this gun. We're going to make you waste some ammo. No, don't, <laughs> don't waste your what time. Don't waste your energy. Go wrong? It's fine, guys. I, it... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the second game. Uh, and I didn't hate or anything. It was it didn't like kill the momentum for me. Yeah. And then I played... Uh, um, well, actually, before we get to anything else, um, I guess, and this is, I guess we're going to talk about more things that some people don't like, but I feel like, just very briefly, I guess we should talk about the anime. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so, I take it both of you have seen it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I re- recently rewatched it, or, well, a few months ago. I, uh, haven't seen it in quite a long time. I, uh. Don't remember that much of it anymore, at least in terms of like the changes. And uh, and I and this is the part where I'm, I guess I'll need a, or at least I, I just kind of want your impressions. Uh, I've never seen a single episode in English, so. Oh okay. Actually, I don't think I've seen it in English either. Oh, then I guess I'm the only one that has. Um, well, I mean, the dub is surprisingly decent. Like, I I'm kind of upset that you know they didn't get anybody from the. Uh, original game, but it was dubbed in by ADVs, which is located in Texas, so that was understandable, but surprisingly, like, a lot of the lines, especially in, like, the first episode, like, seemed like they were, like, directly ripped from, like, I mean, not directly ripped, but, like, script-wise, sounded exactly like the, uh, like, had the exact same script as, like, episode one, so it's interesting that they, I feel like they did, like, their research a little bit, unless it just happened to translate it almost exactly the same but um it was it was decent um i didn't like cosmos's voice but i i'm like really used to bridget hoffman as cosmos so i guess anybody else i hear in english as cosmos i have mixed feelings about but overall it was it was pretty decent okay um see i have See, I said I haven't watched a single episode in English. I have seen a few clips. I, I, I heard... I don't even remember what Cosmos sounds like, but I, I heard, like, Xi'an. I thought that one sounded fine. Yeah. And I heard, yeah, hers was really good. I don't remember being a big fan of Albedo's when I heard it. Uh, yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of Albedo's voice either. Um, but the, the one that, that stuck out, not really in a good or a bad way, just something that that's just sticks out, I guess because I'm familiar with the cast, I just mm-hmm. haven't heard them in the show. And uh, it was it was Ziggy's voice, who's voiced by Jason Douglas. And as soon as he started talking, I was like, "That is that Jason Douglas, or am I losing my mind?" Because he just he, he sounds like Beerus. It just sounds like Beerus is talking, and it's very distracting. <laughs> oh no, I didn't get that connection, and now I hear it. <laughs> yeah, it, it just sounds. I heard that. And I'm like, because that that's that's how. It, had been, it, had been, it took me a while. I don't think I ever heard it until like 2015. That was like the first time I heard anything in English. I'm like, I was like, is that Beerus? Like that, that just sounds. It just sounds like Beerus is talking. Like, oh my god, it was so weird. And 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 on top of that, like, yeah, he just has a certain sound to his voice that I just tend to recognize. I'm like, also, he plays a character in The Walking Dead, so that's another thing I have to associate that voice with. And it's just, oh my god, oh really? He plays someone in The Walking Dead? Yeah. Um... He actually had a, he had quite a bit of screen time in one season. Uh, I haven't caught up with the show, so I, haven't, I don't know. I don't know if I, not, I, his character might be dead. I don't know. He probably is. I don't know. <laughs> just, I wow. just assume. If I haven't watched it in a while. 
everyone I know is probably dead. So <laughs> probably, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've kind of lost on that show too. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, like Jason Douglas. I'm like, it's. I mean, I like him as an actor, so it's not a bad choice. It's just, yeah, it's like when you have like Steve Bloom play somebody. It's like, oh, that's that's definitely Steve Bloom. Like, wow. Now the next time I watch it, I'll talk the anime. I'll just think of Beerus. <laughs> one obviously, when you talk about the anime, one of the the one of the first things that'll come up is uh, the production not being. Uh, very good and uh, being really rough looking. Oh yeah. Now there's there's a good reason for that. A, a lot of people, uh, toys. It was on my toy, so it was uh, toys. One of those companies that gets a lot of flack for uh, some of its for, uh, some of its production and some of its shows. Yeah. And, and a lot of people will uh, sort of unfairly uh, uh, criticize the animators and say that they're being lazy or uh, not very talented and. That that's always kind of run me off in a really bad way, because that's not that's in in the case of like Xenosaga, the animation, it, that's not really the case. It's more of a it's more of a schedule problem. Uh, what happens a lot is a, a show will be ending on TV and they want to replace it. It's like, well, mm-hmm. it's it's we need to replace it in four five months, so you guys have like that amount of time to start. And that's actually not as much time as you think. I think it, it, their production schedule is probably worse. But uh, that's kind of what happens, and that's sort of what happened with, with Xenosaga and the animation. I think there was probably some other problems that I don't know about, but uh, because even like uh, the, the Japanese voice cast didn't start voicing some of those episodes until uh, like you know th- like their first session was in uh, I think it was a month or less than a month before the first episode aired, which is kind of late oh. for a premiere episode. So wow. you, you get the idea that they're kind of crunching it, and uh, and even then, like the, the staff, the animation staff, like the key animators aren't. It's not like a, a horrible staff. Like uh, the first episode has, um, uh, I can never remember his name. Sometimes, like I always, because he, I, I've only seen so many things where he's done animation in it. Uh, um, Kenji Kuryanagi, I believe. Yeah, that that's his name. He did animation in the first episode and the last episode. Uh, I I think you saw that clip, Tyler, where you know with all the choreography, he did that clip. Oh yeah, it's like that. That seemed like the the, the most attention they put in the entire series was in that. Yeah, like they. That scene. Well, obviously, the last episode had more time put into it than the other one. That, but uh, right. Uh, yeah, like he did that. He's he's a great animator. That's not even close to like his best work. But that's a nice looking scene. It's oh yeah, it's really well done. But yeah, you, you get the impression like. If I had more time, you'd have more scenes like that. He, remember, he only did the first and the last episode, which is is normal, like a eleven episode jump for one animator to work on. It, it takes a while for them to really mm-hmm. uh, get the work done. Um, and in the first episode, uh, there's something really early on. Um, I think it's in the uh, when when she's in like the UMN mode or whatever, and there's, mm-hmm. there's like there's like that scene where the mechs are fighting. Okay, I would say that scene might look even better, but I guess it. it, it I feel like less people would care about it because, uh, you know, it's just mechs doing mech stuff and not characters. So, uh, but but he but uh, uh, Kuriyanagi did that scene, and that also looks very good. But there's one other animator that I didn't know worked on the show until, you know, uh, like well after I had seen it, and it was uh, I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know if any of the listeners will uh, recognize the name, but that person is Naotoshi Shida, who's like a legend. In, in the animation industry, he's he's like Toei's like 
favorite guy to go to when they want to do like a big climax. He's usually when you if you ever watch a show by them and the climax is like it's almost like liquidy smooth animation and it's like it has mm-hmm. like a certain timing to it. That's him because they always get him to do it. Like it, it doesn't look like a doesn't look like a TV show anymore. He does like movie quality animation. You know, I just googled him and then one of the first things that come up is a thread that says is Neil Toshishida Toei's best animator? <laughs> he, he, he is and isn't, depending on your definition. He's uh, because he he he's not, he doesn't actually uh, he's not actually uh under contract to as like a Toei. Like he doesn't he's not in house Toei. He's actually a freelancer, but he's always working with Toei. So everyone just associates him with Toei. Like he doesn't do anything else. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he also did the first and last episode. That's like a dream team. Like him and Kuranagi, uh, Kuranagi. Like putting them together, yeah. that's uh, if the show had a better production and had better time, those first and last episodes would have some crazy stuff. But it didn't and it just didn't work out that way. I believe uh, I, I I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm I would say I'm 95 percent sure that the scene that Cheetah did was the one where uh, where Cosmos comes out of the uh, you know her I don't know what do you call that thing that she like sleeps her, in like her container. Uh, like- Capsule. Yeah, it's gonna say capsule. Well, the scene where she like comes out of it, it's it's so different from the game. She's like bursting out of it, and it's it's like getting destroyed, and then that one part. Oh yeah, yeah. He he animates Mm -hmm. that scene, and uh, sort of the giveaway as to why it might be him is when uh, that last shot of her eye opening, it moves exactly like how he would do it. So I'm just like that. I feel like that has to be him. I have no idea what he did in the last episode. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, like, my first guess would be the part where the Elsa's crashing and, like, Cosmos is in front of it. Oh. I think he did that, but I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it would make sense. He, he, again, he's they usually save him for, like, the big climax, so that's my assumption, but not sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I wish they had uh, put more effort into that show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't wasn't even effort. It's just I think they tried their best, but it was, uh, you know, uh, if a guy in a suit tells you like you, you got to get this out on the state and have fun, like you, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. I don't think it's like the worst looking thing in the world, like, but I think another yeah. part of it is the uh, they had to reinterpret the character designs for TV animation. Yeah. And uh, the guy who did them isn't bad. He, you know, he's done some notable stuff. I don't know if I've never seen the show, but it's a popular show. Uh, the Vision of Escaflone. Uh, yeah, yeah I've, that's a I've, really popular one. Like I've I've seen a, like an episode or so of that. So is that same uh, character designer of that show? Yeah. And, huh. uh, oh wow. But yeah, I think he had some problems reinterpreting it for TV animation. They're not the most animation friendly things in the world. I, th- I think he just wanted to, uh, I guess, because I think, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Tanaka has done character designs for TV animation. I, I believe he's done that at least once. I might be wrong, but uh, I think but I think he wanted to do it in a way that would work for TV animation. Mm-hmm. And I think he had, uh, he struggled a little bit with it. And I, I think that also kind of hurt. I, I think when, it's very easy to go off model, and when even when it's on model, it doesn't look super appealing at times from certain angles. Yeah, I'm kind of. I was kind of surprised that they kind of use the the same. Oh, was it was it the same character designer for Xenosaga One and Two? You mean the games? Oh wait, you mean yeah, the, you mean or, the, uh, the DS game? The DS game. Yeah, sorry. 
Um, I'm trying to remember. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I remember the assets looked very similar. I think it, I think identical. it was the same guy, but I you know, don't don't uh, uh that, that stuff's getting a little fuzzy on me. But uh, right. I know they had the same composer. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I'm actually like I have um the a clip of the anime on YouTube open in another window, so that's kind of why I've been a bit quiet because I've been looking at it as we're talking about it. And yeah, I could definitely see um kind of like the difference in animation style and. It's interesting how, like, the artwork, it's not bad. Um, I think, like, some parts of it are okay. Like, the eyes, I guess, are somewhat true to the game. But just the way this is drawn versus how it's animated, you can definitely tell um, that they had some issues with it. Because, like, some, some of the animation is kind of stiff. When Cosmos is coming out of her capsule, it doesn't look too bad. But, like, other scenes, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember there was like a episode, like I don't know, if it was seven or eight, where they were they were having a mech battle, and it just the animation quality was just so bad. It just looked like they were just moving, like one image, like back and forth while mm-hmm. it was shooting at it. It was just yeah. I'm looking at Virgil right now, um, and he just looks really like kind of lifeless. <laughs> Just like the way, uh, just one close-up of him that I'm looking at right now. It just looks so awkward to me, just the way it's drawn. Yeah, because I know uh, for the DS game, I know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hiroyoshi uh, Takeuchi? I think that's I think that's his name. Um, he's, uh, he did the, uh, uh he, he worked on the Cowboy Bebop, and, uh, Oh okay, but I know he. Uh, I know he did art for Xenosaga DS, but I'm not sure if the, the in-game like portraits were based on his work. Uh, I think they might have been, but I I don't remember. Obviously, character designs can only mean so much in a game like that. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, I think on Xenosaga DS just reminds me. It's it, man. I, w- I would like to finish the translation on that. So I still have a lot to go, but it's uh, it takes time, and oh yeah, I, I get uh, especially since I just finished another translation project. I'm kind of slowing down a little bit. I'll get uh, yeah, I kind of want to work on something else for now, and uh, kind of like writing something up. But well, if a certain video game company would actually localize it, hint hint, <laughs> you wouldn't have to. Nah. Yeah, I'll. Xenosaga <laughs> DS gets localized before Mother 3. I'm. I'm, 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 I'm going to jump off a bridge. <laughs> Can't all be today. But you know, it's kind of interesting um, that they got all these big name uh, artists to work on a series. Like, it just goes to show you that Namco really tried. Um, they definitely tried to make this thing something big and something successful. Yeah, I think they. I think at first they weren't sure how to market it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying a little too hard to get Xenogears fans to kind of gravitate toward it. And I remember. Oh, I for think, sure. I think it was. Uh, I remember Nakamura had something during one of the reveals. He said something about Xenogears, and I remember uh, kind of confused a lot of people. And I remember uh, after that, you never really saw mention of Xenogears ever again. And I, from what I've heard from someone there, and I. I I kind of take this one with a grain of salt because even he's not sure. Um, said that apparently 
someone at Model Stuff, I'm assuming it was Takahashi, um, wasn't super happy about that. Oh. So I think that's why you never saw mention of it again, because unless someone else asked him or brought it up, but even then, it, gets, it, it kind of gets like, you know, it, it's very brief. So it's kind of, yeah, I think, not that I, I'm trying to blame Nakamura for anything, it's, you know, yeah, I think he was just trying to do his best in marketing it when he only knew so much about the project outside of like very vague things. So true. Uh, and Nakamura was was really important actually for Monosoft coming into Namco because he uh, he was a good communicator. He uh, would really uh, Monosoft and Namco were on the same page a lot for a lot mm-hmm. of the development of the first game. I think after uh, at some point Nakamura retired. And after that, it was kind of a... Uh, com- communication was never the same. It wasn't, like, terrible or anything, but it was... Uh, like, they, for the most part, they have better communication with Nintendo after Nakamura left than how they were with Namco for that little period. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was also because Namco was going through a lot of changes. You know, a lot of company change, a lot of management changes without him. He was, he was, he was a big deal. And... Uh, yeah, I think I think NAFCA was even with like their own projects. I think there was a little bit of mis- miscommunication just because there's just so many. When you have management changes, it's it's kind of a rough growing period. So I think that was a that was a part of it. Uh, but yeah, I I just can't remember that many of like the story detail changes. I know like Virgil lives longer in, in the yeah. animation. He has like a little character arc. Yeah, which yeah, and then well, he kind of trades places with Cherenkov. Um, which I don't know. I mean, I really liked Trinkoff's story in episode one, so it was kind of disappointing that they kind of killed him off just like in episode two of the anime. Man, was it really only episode two? Jeez. Yeah. I, I guess it was real quick. I guess uh, since I I only touched on episode one so briefly. God, man, I, it's weird. We're only on like the animation. I think we've been doing this for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, we have. I mean, that's a good thing. It shows that we have a lot of topics that we can cover for future episodes, too. I think about... Uh, like with Charity Cov in the first game, he's so prominent like early on in the Waglinde mm-hmm. that I thought... I legitimately thought... Because it wasn't like... I didn't spoil myself on anything. I never spoiled myself on any of this stuff like whatsoever. Especially the really mm-hmm. early stuff. I didn't even bother. And... Uh, you know, I really thought that because of how prominent Cherenkov was, and he was on the Elsa for a while. I, I always ask myself, when does this guy become a playable character? Because uh. it, it's got to happen at some point, right? I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he, it feels like he's everywhere. And uh, you know, uh, I remember that part where you're in the, uh, you know, the, the cathedral and all that stuff, uh-huh. and uh, he's, he's kind of having his hallucinations and. I only took it so seriously because I didn't realize how serious I was supposed to be taking it because I kept telling myself, man, they're really dragging out this character to become playable. They're really taking their time with this. <laughs> not, not knowing what was going to happen. <laughs> and when uh, when you fight him, again, I, I, I'm like, I remember thinking, like, man, uh, you know, I, are they actually going to have this guy turn back to normal after that and then he becomes playable? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, it, and then he, and then you know, there's the part where, where they're like grieving over him, like Sheen's like on the floor, and then and that's when it hit me. I was like, it's like he died. It's like, it's like Cherkov's dead. I was like, you can't just do that. And I'm like, 
<laughs> like, come on. Yeah, poor, poor Trinkoff. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that part of the game actually, because uh, they don't really, uh, they don't call back to that part of the game too much, like, especially after Mm-mm. the first game. Oh, no. But uh, I think one thing, not, not that I think you have to, but I think the, the one thing about that storyline that actually works in the game's favor is that it really does a great job setting the uh, the themes of the game up. Uh, pretty much for the whole trilogy, like, uh, sort of the way Chernikov, you know, the way he deals with, like, his, his memories and his past, and there's the general theme of, like, you know, fear in the world and all that stuff. I think they did a pretty good job with that. So I, I do think that it sort of sets the tone for a lot of things you see later on. So, so even though they don't, they don't really reflect back on it too much, I do think it uh, still has a very strong place in the uh, trilogy. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. And, that, yeah, that's another reason why it was kind of disappointing that they didn't bring that over into the anime, but that probably would have taken too much time to go through. Yeah, well, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack open a cold one for Jaren Koff. <laughs> 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 oh wow, you're actually doing it. <laughs> nice. Um now should we move on to episode three? Yeah, we already talked about the anime, we talked about DS. I don't think I have much else to say about those. I mean I do think the DS version is worth checking out if you uh I mean, obviously, if you're like a hardcore fan, you're probably gonna want to check out everything with the name Xenosaga on it. But I do think it's it's worth playing just because uh, if you're like a serious fan, just because uh, I do think it's a it's sort of a neat little interpretation of those two games. I don't think it's gonna change your mind on a lot of things, but there's some stuff that I that I kind of liked. Yeah, I uh, I bought a copy of it at a convention a, a while ago, but my Japanese is so poor that I'm kind of afraid to actually tackle it. <laughs> that's funny, because that's actually what I want to do. Because um, I've been studying Japanese for a couple of years, and I'm trying to get back into it. And I actually really want to track down a copy, because I want to play more RPGs in Japanese to help practice. So yeah, I guess we'll finally move on to the third game. I feel like I drew that out for a while. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what exactly I was doing when I played the, the third game. I guess it's... it's I mean, I, clearly it wasn't that important, if I don't remember. So, uh... Did you play it at launch, or did you get it later on? Yeah, later on. Hey, that's, see, that's another assumption you, for you people out there that probably thought I played the game in... in you know, before it even came out, you must have must have played it in the office, because uh, apparently you know these people, and you must have been there. You, you must be. Uh, you must have been there for the recording sessions with the voice acting. You, you there's probably unused lines from you in the game. That's a, that's a god. Oh, actually, there's people who. Uh, there's a few people like some of the. These, these are mostly the the English speaking fans I've spoken to that. I have a couple mm-hmm. of people I'll speak to about the games that, uh, uh, one of them was a friend I know in real life, and, uh, there seems to be this strange, I guess, assumption, uh, or theory from someone that, uh, it was just something someone said, but they said it, I'm pretty sure they said it unironically, 
if they said it ironically, they, they did a good job at making it uh, very convincing. That uh, apparently, I, I guess maybe because of something I said, apparently the only Xeno games I like are Xenogears and the first Xenosaga, and everything else I actually hate. <laughs> and I guess I'm just torturing myself. I'm just, I just really, I'm a glutton for punishment. I've played all these games, these over a decade's worth of games, just as I, 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 just, I just hate them so much. I, 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 I dream about Molosov collapsing. I, I send those employees <laughs> mean messages every day. Who are these people? Like, I, I, yeah, problem? I, it was one person that said it, but everyone was like, is that true? And I, I think there are a couple <laughs> of people that seem to, like, believe this. And it, it, so... it, it, was, it was so, like... I, the thing is, I've never actually answered. I'm still not going to answer whether that's true or not. I mean, you guys can, you guys can figure that out for yourselves. I mean, if you're going to make a theory like that, I mean, I, I'm not debunking a damn thing. You guys can, you guys can have fun. But uh, so that's why you use the word sadist and Zenok freaks. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, like, <laughs> I can't uh, wrap my head around that. Like, just people just coming up with all these theories about you. Just over, I, I, don't I, I think I know what I, I, I think I you know I, I guess because I I talk about the production a lot and I think I, I, some people I guess they caught on to me, but <laughs> I, I still think it's really weird. Like I, I guess some people are like I, I don't know what word I'm looking for intimidated, but it's like dude I made a I made a video about uh, the Red Testament taking off his mask and it was Vince McMahon. Like how seriously you want to take I, me? <laughs> I love that video. That was so hilarious. I gotta watch that. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I guess it's good to be taken seriously. When people start saying stuff like that, it's like, man, like, like, oh, what kind of impression do I give? Like, it's it's just weird. It's like, yeah, that's that's the point where it's just like, come on, guys, like, really, <laughs> do do something better with your time. I, I mean, it's it's funny. Like it's it's you know it's it those are the kind of theories that you know there's a lot of bad theories and conjecture that uh, yeah that you know I kind of make my blood boil but that's the kind of stuff that's just like what the hell it's like what's wrong with you people like but uh, again I'm not gonna answer that question maybe 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 they're right maybe they're right you never know but, so our listeners write in the comments what you think about pure oh oh that's a that is a dangerous thing to do <laughs> well. That we're going to do some dangerous things on this podcast. So, if you're listening, write down what you think. This is going to be that one comment. Uh, like again, unironically, right? Like he's just a big elitist. Like he, he just doesn't like the same stuff I like. It's just <laughs> what a snob. He actually liked Zenosaga too. What? How like is a strong word there, but. <laughs> So yeah, episode three. Oh man, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like the thing is, is that when, as soon as I played it, like the you you, you start the game, you know, you, you'll start the story, mm-hmm. and people seem to think that uh, I guess this is a good segue to get to really get like sink into the uh, production of the game because Xenosaga Three doesn't have much documented publicly on the mm. production of that game. You're just, right. I can't find a lot on it. Yeah, it's just, just sort of moved on. You know, I think I think they were done with the series of that. Like, they felt like internally they were like, "All right, we're moving on." 
But um, when you a lot of people get the impression that you know they'll see Xenos Saga one and two, and they're like, okay, these are two different styles. People will associate three as being closer to the first game style, and that's not wrong. But like some people will say that it's like the first game. I don't think that's. I think on the surface you might get that. That might be true on the surface, but if you really look at it, the directing is actually pretty different in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all, but it's just... I, I 100% agree with you. Um, they're not that similar at all. There's uh, And I'm speaking entirely of like the story and the presentation. Like Gameplay-wise, right, even that's different too. But, same. But um, like the first scene is... Uh, I guess I should talk about one of the guys that worked on the game. I've talked about it a little bit on my Twitter, but I, I only do so much because it's Twitter. How much can I talk about in 240 characters a piece? But um, so and in Square there was a guy called uh, Norhiro Takami, and he uh, usually works with CG, like animation and stuff like that. He didn't mm-hmm. work on Xenogears. Some people can make that mistake, but he worked on games like Final Fantasy VII, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. See, he at some point he joined Monosoft, not not too late after it formed, uh, and he did the CG scenes for the first Xenosaga. That was his first role, kind of oh. a, a normal way to, you know, in your new workplace. That's a you know normal continuation. He's basically continuing what he knows how to do, and uh, it's also interesting that uh, Xenosaga one's directing, like from Takahashi, was. Uh, he likes to let people do their own thing, but with that game, he still let people do their own thing, but there were a lot of situations where he gave very specific directions. And I remember it's one of the only comments Norhiro Takami has ever made publicly. It doesn't seem like somebody that likes to talk publicly very much, but um, I remember he said something like, he gave him some directions, but they were, it's like they were strict and vague at the same time, and then the rest he could do whatever he wanted. And I remember his like impression of that is that he like Takahashi like drew him he drove him uh, he drove him nuts like he he thought it was it was kind of a weird experience working with him for that game. Yeah, I can see how that would be very frustrating. Yeah. Being it wasn't like specific. A, it wasn't negative. It wasn't like a negative impression. It was just right. Yeah, he, he's like sometimes I have to ask him again. Like, what do you mean by this? That's this doesn't make any sense. Like, you have. Please, please talk to me, Takahashi. Like, <laughs> I can't help you if you're not willing to speak to me. <laughs> um, but he, uh, but in the second game, there was such a a drastic reformation of the staff because Takahashi kind of he really wanted to let younger staff do their own thing. I think there were some other reasons why he wasn't really like too attached to the game. I think there are a lot of things he was doing because for the first Xenosaga of that time period for him. And again, some people, some people, they like to give like staff a lot of shit, like, oh, they were being lazy, or they didn't care, or maybe they don't think they need this franchise, or something. But the reality, and at least, you know, especially in Takahashi's case, was that uh, he was just so busy. Like, you're forming a new company, you're scrambling for for new staff. There's a lot of new people in that. You know, some people's first work was the first Xenosaga. There's uh, the schedule is brutal. Like you, they gave you like a, like when the development started officially, I think he only had like a year to work on it. And oh, that, oh wow! That's not like the worst thing, but when you're working with new guys and you're trying to get more staff, it's it's kind of a nightmare. On top of that, he's got like his personal life. You know, he's got stuff going on over there. It was a, that might have been the busiest time of his life. Like, see, you you got to come to work. 
like just to, to give you perspective, this guy's got to come to work, and he's he's got to be like your your, your super boss. Like he's got to be everywhere, and not like physically, but he's got to keep his eye on everything. He's got a business to run. He's got a game to run. He's got to make sure everyone like knows what they're doing. And then he's got to come home. He's a father. He's a husband. He's got to be super husband. He's got to be super dad. He's got all this stuff to do. Like he's he must have been, must have been a nightmare. So it's not really super shocking that he tried to maybe step away a little bit on the second game because he was probably still really busy. Like, it was... It must have been complete hell. I don't know if I agree entirely with how he did it, but I understand why he did it. Um, You know, and a lot of people, especially, you know, back then, they, um... Again, I remember remember a lot of people were really uh, really upset with him, but I, I just don't think they understood, like... And it's, they kind of jump to conclusions, and you know, I, I don't think it was. Uh, I thought it was an understandable decision, all things considered. But I guess back then, how could people have known that? Yeah, because otherwise, he, that, that situation sounds extremely stressful. Yeah, and I mean, and everything. People seem to like. Uh, people also seem to think that. Oh, I guess I'll get into that later, but. Uh, We'll just, uh, just with the second game, it's, uh, so, so you have all this new staff in their, their new positions, and you have, uh, I knew here Takami had his, his, his position was basically changed, he wasn't doing, uh, it wasn't like the same kind of CGI for that game. He had pre-rendered cutscenes, but it wasn't like, uh, pre-rendered cutscenes in that game, some of them are different from the way they work in the first game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, he basically got a promotion, but it was like a, it was kind of a, a hard one for him. It was uh, he got promoted to the he cut, he's the cutscene director and the art director. And he's never done either of those things. So oh. that's a, that's a totally when you, when they when they, uh, when they make you both, that's uh, you know that's a not easy to just jump into. He has a, a you know he has an eye for art and direction and things like that because of his previous job, but it's not it's not the same. And then you're working with new staff, you're working with new director. Again, you have about the same amount of time, about the same amount of money as the first game. Um, it's his experience. I think it was a, it's one that he drew from a lot. Uh, I think the biggest thing, because uh, if you look at his art direction in the, in the second game, and then you look at it in the third game, it's almost completely different. They're they feel different in, in like almost every way: lighting, colors, mm. everything is so different from him in that game, and a lot of that is because. Uh, they had the new director, uh, Korai, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he's also kind of an art, he's basically an artist himself. So, in, in the third game, that's a good thing, but in the second game, it's a little iffier, because, uh, he's very much, uh, he's sort of, uh, I guess heavily supervising the project, because, and they have a new producer who's also heavily supervising the project. A lot of people blame Namco for the changes, it's not necessarily true. I think there was just people were trying new things and trying to understand mm-hmm. what they were doing. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. just didn't know what they were doing for like the first couple of months. The hardest part of that game's development was uh, it was getting your feet on the ground first. That took the longest, and then everything that came after. But you only have so much time left, so it's like right. So you have uh, Ekorai is uh, sort of managing. And they're here to come very strictly. He's, it's sort of a uh, draconian approach that he has, and it's not that he's being like he doesn't want to be overpowering, but he wants to make sure that the game comes out a certain way 
and and everyone's a little bit nervous about a new art director who's never done anything like that before. And he's also the cutscene director, and it was uh, it wasn't easy for either of them. Like he, uh, again, a lot of people will, will give like Horai a lot of a lot of crap for you know the way uh, the second game turned out, but a lot of it was just him learning and a lot of it. Uh, it like when he, when you uh, it wasn't it wasn't fair because. Uh, Yasuki Han, I feel like he would have been a better choice for that game to be the director. Yeah, but he was re- working on Byton Kaidos. I think that's how you say that. I've never played that game. Oh, it was it was a decent game. Well, I've, I've never I don't know anything about it. I just know he worried he that was his thing. So now he's directing yeah. that, and Takahashi's basically gone. You don't have an experienced director like that in the company anymore. You had to pick somebody new. So I guess yeah, yeah. settled on him. Yeah, and didn't Koarai, like, I might be wrong, didn't he, like, work on, like, uh, backgrounds in Xenogears, or... Right, yeah, he helped a lot with that, and uh, he basically, in a way, you could say, he could amount his role in that game to helping with the art direction, which was with Yasuki mm-hmm. Han, he was the art director, so, mm-hmm. uh, and Yasuki Han was the art director for the first game, which is another reason why it's so different, like, he has a more, again, Takashi kind of managed him a bit, but it wasn't as much, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. the game has a very, has a very cold aesthetic at times, it's, like, very, uh... It's very 2001 A Space Odyssey inspired. Yeah. I can see that. Which is why there's not a lot of music in that game. Like, there's, there's music, and I think the music placement itself is good, but I think they got carried away with having no music placement in certain areas. Like, Oh, people, oh yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are kind of iffy about that. It didn't bother me too much, but I I, I, I understand the complaint about that. Um, but I think when the, the actual music placement for what they had was, was great, it was just... A lot of silence. If you a lot of dead air there, and uh, yeah, like especially you think for like a place like the Kukai Foundation, which is more like a town that you'd have like something in the background. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, that was a that was more of a Takahashi thing. Again, I, I don't. I admire the approach. I admired uh, took a risk there. I just think sometimes it didn't pay off. Sometimes it did, but there are a lot of times mm-hmm. where uh, it could have been managed better. But um, and for the second game, it's like the opposite. It's like. Well, I think he wanted a game. He tried to make the game a little more appealing, while trying not to betray what the original game did, and I think he really struggled with that. Um, uh, he uh, again, I don't think Takami did a bad job with the art direction for what it was. It's just I still thought it was fine. It's just not as uh, I think it's a far cry from what he did with the third game, and mm-hmm. uh, and the cutting direction. I thought that was fine for what it was. Um, he didn't obviously he didn't do the cutscene direction in the first game, but with the first game, uh, and this is uh, it's sort of an in joke among like two of my friends that I never shut up about storyboarding. But um, I, I, when we when you have a, a cutscene heavy game like that, or the whole trilogy is cutscene heavy, but you have to be careful with how you storyboard things. So with the with you know everything has like a certain storyboard to it, like uh. Like like uh, TV shows and anime, uh, a film, and of course video games. But you can't all all these forms of media. They don't have the uh, you can't storyboard them the same way. Working with animation is it's just not the same as working with a live action actor, where you're gonna get a constant like facial expression and movement. It just doesn't work mm-hmm. the same as in animation. You can't just linger on them forever. You have to sort of try to make it more dynamic. And video games seem to fall somewhere in between that. You don't want to do do too much like live action, but you don't want to do too much like a like animation. Kind of abides to its own unwritten rules. 
And I feel like uh, a mistake that Takahashi kind of made was uh, he really wanted the storyboard artist who was uh, uh, Yasushi Shibu, and uh, he uh, he storyboarded that game in the first game, uh, the second game in the in the first game. And he seems to uh, make him abide by the rules of trying to make it like cinema, which is mm-hmm. the general direction of the game, which is is fine. But I think he kind of, uh, I guess back then, you know, cutscenes like that were new in video games. I don't think they understood that if you linger on characters for too long, it kind of makes the cutscene feel like it's dragging. You have to kind of play with the angles a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he, I think that was kind of a, an oversight with the storyboarding in that game. I think when you look, the cutscenes are good. I don't, I'm not saying that they're they're bad. I just think sometimes in a dialogue scene. When two characters are talking to each other, it kind of just fe- it, it, the reason why the game feels like it drags isn't just because of the scenes being long. It's because they uh, it's sort of a lot of lingering shots on the characters. They kind of they stay there for a while, and that's the it sort of creates a sort of a subconscious effect where it feels like it's longer than it is, mm. and it's, it's oh yeah, to like be they, careful with yeah, they focus on the same angle too long. Yeah, oh, okay. I think they did that with a lot of dialogues. Again, it's not the worst. There's there's still like some nice stuff. It's just, I think uh, again that was uh, sort of the vision Takashi had. But I think uh, you have to be a little bit careful. Again, I, it's one of those things I admire the the idea, but you have to be a little. And experience goes along uh, goes a long way. Didn't have it back then. But uh, with the second game, the storyboarding. Uh, so he actually storyboarded a lot of the second game during the development of the first game because some of those scenes were going to be there. Mm. But he had to redraw them for the second game, so... Oh, oh, right. So if for some reason... Um, so I've had the, 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 I guess, the privilege of seeing certain production, like, materials, but if you if these things ever surface and they show you the, uh, like, a scene from the second game, but for some reason they're wearing their outfits from the first game, it's because he might not have redrawn that scene, and they just left it that way, and they just used the new models for it. Well, didn't they make models of the first game's outfits in the second one? Yeah, but a lot of those outfits that that they're wearing, like, like even even in like one of the trailers, like you could see uh, Chaos is wearing his, you know, in, in the trailers for the first game, they have mm-hmm. the scene where Chaos is sitting with Jen from the second game. It's there, but you know, it's it's but it's you know, uh, obviously in the first game, Chaos is still wearing his original attire. So stuff like that, they weren't planning on having the alpha changes, at least not for everyone. But yeah, it's sort. Of, I think that was always sort of. A, I think the cutscene direction of the games for all the games is is good. It's just uh, I think for the first two, especially the first one, they kind of struggled a bit with the storyboarding in terms of how to frame things and things like that. And with the second one, it was a little more dynamic. I think they I, because of music placement, I have a little bit more mixed feelings about it. Uh, I play the I played the Japanese version a lot more than the, than the English one. So uh, mm-hmm. there's some some interesting music. Uh, the the fight scene between Jin and and Margulis, the first one that they have, a, a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that happens in there is actually nowhere here at Takami's idea that he just had Shibu storyboard for him. And uh, I think even in one of the interviews, like again, one of the few times he's ever spoken, he actually brings that up. He's like, "Oh yeah, I look forward to that because I think he was really proud of it." Oh yeah, those both the first and second fights between them were excellent. Like choreograph, yeah, 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 the choreography. yeah, I think that, and uh, I think the music placement with uh, like Kajira's music placement was really good for mm-hmm. that scene. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, there, there's good stuff there. I, I wish I could remember more just off the top of my head right now, but I mean, it's it's fine. You could see him. I think it's an interesting game, Xenosaga Two, for me, just because I kind of see like uh, some of like his growth. That's like his. I feel like that's that game was like the first, the real starting point for what he would become in later games. Which sort of brings us f- uh, finally to the, the third game. Finally, I can I can talk about it because we, I feel like I've been avoiding it for so long. <laughs> It's been yeah, it's been like an hour and a half, and I'm, I'm still talking about Xenosaga Two. Yeah, it's been the most we've but, been talking but, about is Episode Two. Surprisingly, but, but production-wise, it's an interesting game to talk about. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's an interesting growing point for Monosoft. Everybody kind of looks back at mm-hmm. it, but I think without that game, you know, a lot of people like the original Xenoblade, but I think without Xenosaga Two, a lot of the people that were able to excel with that game, it just, it doesn't really go as smoothly because I think that experience. It was a hard experience, but it was something mm-hmm. that uh, they benefited it. from in the long yeah. in the long run. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even even the third game, it, I think you see the benefits of what they were struggling with. Sort of, show. I think Korai, his directing approach is actually very different. Uh, his uh, his approach is less uh, less heavily supervised. Uh, no, here's the Kami. Unlike the second game, he has way more freedom. Like everything from like the lighting. And like a lot of the colors you see, and like even like uh like the the, the part where like old Milsha is on like mm-hmm. on fire, you know when when it's the, the conflict is actually happening. Yeah, a lot of that like the 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 colors and like the where the flames are appearing and all that that's, that's all his idea. Like that, that all came from him. Um, and because oh. uh, if you look at it in the first game, you can actually tell that it's completely different when you go in the in the uh, you know, the UMN like simulation. It's it's mm-hmm. it's more blacks and it's more dark colors. It's the, the air's a little bit more dead. It's not. It's, it, they portray it in a very different way, like in terms of like the art direction and things like that. But in the in the third game, you kind of see it's like yeah, he made he made it more chaotic. He wanted a he has he's a kind of a, he's a kind of the kind of art and cutscene director that really wants the uh, what you're seeing with your eyes to kind of benefit the narrative as opposed to just making it look cool for the sake of looking cool. So, hmm. uh, and again, with like something like the, uh, the, the Milchen conflict, uh, when it starts, it's actually, uh, I believe the, the starting point, it's when after you, uh, it's after you beat Virgil, uh, and you come out of the, uh, you know, the, the, the little cathedral that you come out of, it's all like destroyed. And, uh, after that, like cause normally the the air around that place it's like blue skies the grass is like really green it's all nice looking when you get out of there it's not green anymore it's like the sky everything's like gray even the grass looks gray because he wants to uh, the idea was to make something go from like dead looking mm-hmm. and slowly progress into like these really aggressive looking reds that you see in the Milton conflict because everything is very quiet when you come out of that cathedral all you hear when you come out is uh can hear like rumbling sounds. That's not there before until after you beat Virgil, and that's supposed to like sort of represent that. In the distance, you're hearing like hey, there's something's happening, you know, in in, in the town. And uh, and as you slowly go there, you kind of everything's like you kind of see things are they're on fire, and you know the sky is like really red, even on the map. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you make your way to Labyrinthos, now, even it, it, when you go inside, it still has like that color scheme. But the more you go to like the hospital room where Shion's mother's at, it actually gets progressively darker. And the more you go in, like by the time you reach her room, 
it's completely dark. Like it's all you see is some like the only lighting you have are some of the lighting on the side. It's mm-hmm. totally black, and the, the idea is that he wanted to sort of create a, an atmosphere where uh, everything's really chaotic, but there's still it doesn't feel hopeless. It just feels like you don't know how to what to make of it. And as you make it to her room, it progressively feels more and more hopeless. Like it's just too late. Like after they they usually like uh, usually gets that way after the scenes where uh, where um, you kind of see like those uh, what are those things called? They were like realian, like prototype realians or something. What are they called? Um, the, the things that kill humans. Uh, uh, well, whatever they were called. Um, but it, it, like it's like after that scene, like you start seeing scenes like that, and the scene where like her mm. father's like desperately calling Jen, and it, you know he's mm. gonna die. Like you know what happens. So as you progressively get closer to that room, it's just getting darker and darker. And by the time you go into that room and she sees what's happened to her mother, it's so dark in that room. And the idea was to create... Like, that's the kind of art director he is. He tries to create the feel of the narrative as you're like kind of going through the motions. So that's kind of why everything's getting progressively darker and bleaker. And the only thing that's lit up in that whole like top floor, or at least near the top floor, wherever floor it's on... Um, the only thing that's lit up properly is uh, that room. If you go into the room where those creatures are in, where you see all the canisters are all broken from where they're being held, that's the only room that's lit mm-hmm. up properly. So wow. that's that's the kind of that's the kind of woman. He's free from being heavily supervised. He's able to do stuff like that, and that's the big difference between the second game and the, and the third game. Wow, I never really thought of how much. Like effort and thought went into that. That's yeah. It actually makes a really... lot of sense because I was thinking about like the scene uh, as you're describing it. So it's kind of cool that they're able to um, basically convey emotion without necessarily spelling it out. You kind of you experience it as the characters are experiencing it too. Yeah, because if if you notice with the, the second cutscene direction, it's like a, it, it can be, I guess. Cool, I guess would would be the word to describe some of the stuff, but uh, it doesn't have the kind of I guess uh, narrative implications that what he would do right. later because they that's kind of what they were trying to make him do, and the second day they kind of left him on his own. It was like okay, I can make stuff like this now because yeah, I guess you could say and and I think uh, Rai actually has some uh, has some influence on the art direction because if you notice there's actually no credited art director for the game, and that's because. Uh, when it's, sometimes when that happens, they just won't because uh, if someone else has like some degree of influence on it, they might not credit any single person. Mm-hmm. But uh, Korai is, uh, I think, once he kind of uh, when he uh, sort of knew what he was doing more with the third game, he was more of a uh, he kind of sees more of an artist director when he kind of lets him do stuff like that. Um, I also know he designed some of the stuff in the cathedral. I keep using the word cathedral to describe things, but they just keep using that setting. Uh, that, that that area in Mictum where you fight Virgil, uh, not Virgil, uh, Voyager. Yeah. Uh, some some parts of that area are actually very like heavily like influenced by Korai, which is why it kind of looks a little bit like Xenogears. Uh, it looks like a certain area in there. Oh yeah, it was because it's it's basically the like the way he likes to design things. And, and as far as the cutscene direction goes from Takami, it's uh, again, it, it's more uh, narrative driven. And uh, I, get, I think the best example was something that somebody that had been able to work with him had sort of clarified for me because uh, there's sort of a running theme in the game where uh, if you notice a lot of the scenes, not all of them, 
but a lot of them, a lot of the scenes with Shion and Kevin, even like some of the flashback mm-hmm. stuff, like the scene where uh, he gives her the necklace. Like there's a there's a scene with like the text boxes, but the scene when it goes away from that and it goes to like a full blown normal scene, it, it looks even mm-hmm. darker, and that's because the comedy likes to kind of play with the lighting a little bit. Like there's if you go into like the debug of the game, you kind of notice there's like certain effects, like screen effects, you can play around with, and uh, I'm not sure if those are his idea, but he. Definitely like to. I know he likes to play around with lighting a lot, so it wouldn't surprise me. But um, there's a recurring theme where uh, uh, there's that scene, and there's like the scene where uh, after you beat those creatures, and you uh, you know after they kill her mother, and that that room's already really dark. But when he opens, uh, when the door opens, and and Kevin's there, the uh, he kind of the, the initial shot of him is actually you, you can't see him in detail. It's actually he's actually just a dark silhouette. Like he's like actually modeled to be that way, and then lightning flashes, hmm. and then you could see him. And again, the room is still really dark. But I think one thing that I noticed when I was playing the game, I didn't make too much out of it. I just figured it was like a visual motif. Uh, so there's some uh, there's like the scene where he reveals herself, where he reveals himself to her when he takes off the mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. when they're in that room at first, it's sort of lit up normally. It's like, it's like some, I think it's green lighting on the sides or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a fairly normally lit room, but the second they show him like up close and they show her up close again, the, they use like a screen effect where the screen is, uh, the, the, the only thing you could see are the two characters. You can't see the background anymore. It's completely black again. And, uh, it's like that for a while until she gets like pulled away by the guards and uh, and then there's another scene. Like I feel like I'm, that's one I'm probably gonna forget. But uh, there's one other one where uh, you know the, the the Alan scene where you know, near the end of the game, where mm. uh, there's a part where she, where she when she finally steps away from him, she has, she's like holding his hand. But when she pulls away from his hand, when they do the close up on the hands, you can't see the background uh-huh. anymore because it's just become so dark. And the inspiration for that was from it was from Takami, but. Uh, he knew at the end of the game, uh, there's that scene where they say goodbye to each other, and, uh, and it's pure white. Yeah, it's completely white, and uh, and he already knew it was going to be like that because of the uh, that scene where you get to see Adult Junior. Uh-huh. So he was like, "Oh, so the scene's totally white." So he decided to do that to contrast that, because throughout uh-huh. the game there there's these two people who uh, Kevin kind of rejects the world as a whole. That's like his character, mm-hmm. and right. that's that, that's how he is like internally, and with Xion, it's more more of a knee-jerk reaction because of all the horrible things that are just constantly happening and sort of her confusion with everything and that's kind of why she goes to him in the first place and mm-hmm. how, like, the idea that Kevin is fooled into is that they're going to have their own world together. It's just going to be the two of them. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reason why he keeps everything dark and you can't see any other character or background. The idea was, here are these two characters that are, uh, they just want to be isolated together whenever they see each other because ah. they, they, for different reasons, they sort of reject the world for, for very different reasons and they're both kind of miserable for, again, very different reasons. Yeah, they're both in their own little bubble. Yeah, and they would like to be... Yeah, they kind of... Uh, they feel like they... You know, it's like they understand each other but in a really mm. in a really poisonous way. So that's sort of why everything... He always makes everything really dark when they're around each other. Sort of to create that feeling that they're just... It's just the two of them whenever they're sort of having that kind of moment. Wow. And when, and when it's white, it's supposed to be like, well... They don't reject the world anymore. They're just, and again, different reasons, but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, they kind of accept that it's, you know, that, that they're, uh, the way they were seeing things and the way they saw each other, it just wasn't working. And that's kind of why. It's sort of like they've, uh, it's like the light and the darkness, like you're kind of illuminated. So that was, you know, that was the idea behind his, stuff like that is his, his idea behind the cutscene direction of that game. Wow. I, yeah, I'd never even thought about that. That's that's really fascinating. That yeah, neither did I. That's nuts. Damn. <laughs> yeah, not, now I want to like look through all these cutscenes because I'm kind of curious to see like what else is there. Because I'm sure there's plenty of other really interesting tidbits like that. Yeah, I don't. We never really because uh, uh, they've kind of gone through a lot of different things for like cutscene direction, but. I don't mm-hmm. think they they never really had something that was sort of narrative driven, like visually, with just cutscenes like that, like little things right. like that. They've had like yeah. different little like visual motifs here and there, mm-hmm. like like even even like you know you see like little things in the Xenogears has that, but yeah, it, no, just like on a different level. Yeah, plus it, bringing it back in several scenes and on a different context too. I think that's just really fascinating. Yeah, but again, that the only reason he ended up kind of portraying it that way is, is and he just knew he was like oh that's that's how it ends like that's how right mm-hmm. he saw that and i guess that was like something he decided to do after to he i guess he wanted to make it more of a contrast uh, narratively but yeah i think I, that's, i'm just explaining that just so you know the difference between the way he was able to do things in the second game versus the third game it's like a it's it's so different when you don't have someone you know when you when you have a better circumstance and you have a mm-hmm. You know, you have more freedom, and you're you're really capable of doing things like that. I think it really shows. Uh, sometimes you really should just like you know, some of your artists just kind of see what they can come up with because you, you kind of get stuff like that. Yeah, I'm glad that you gave him more freedom in episode three. Then, but yeah, I think uh, I think the best way to define like the difference between him and a lot of other people are. Uh, I think it's his use of colors. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's usually uh, you know he likes to play around with that, and even like uh, uh, like that that part where like she's sort of separating her hand from him. Like the scene after, like the the next cut, is it's like brightly lit behind her because that room is mm-hmm. it's like this bright light blue. Mm-hmm. You know, like little things like that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of. Again, I hadn't noticed it as a like visually. I just didn't. So like explain that to me. I was like, oh, I was like, I mean, I guess nobody would have to completely guess that. But I always thought that was like, that was like one of the most interesting things I had heard from, you know, when when somebody brought him up as a topic. Now, has he worked on any other games after Episode Three or? Yeah, he worked on the original Xenoblade. Same thing, art, cutscene direction, and uh, oh. but his his approach is a little bit different that one. Because mm. uh, uh, it's not necessarily direction, but I think the the vague idea was uh, he he created so much of the game world, like the map, like how you know sort of sort of like the the way things should look, along with some other people, mm-hmm. the, the the general look of that game before a lot of the story was even close to being done. So it was, uh, oh. it was a little bit different, and. Uh, I think a big problem that a lot of people do, a lot of cutscene directors have, is uh, they rely on the art direction for the atmosphere and, instead of making their own little changes. I think Takami gets away with that a little bit in in the first Xenoblade because he is the art director, so he kind of has some of that stuff in mind already. 
but yeah, his approach is a little bit different. I, th- I think he does a good job with that one too, but it's it's for different reasons. Mm. Um, and in general, like the third game had a, I'm not sure if I would say it had a, an outright smoother schedule, but I just think, I think the experience came a long way. Oh yeah, for how they managed to handle that game. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of weird. I always it's kind of weird to think that Tanaka was only heavily involved with the first one. Um, because in the second one, the and the third one, they're both the character designs are by for the most part they're by Choco, and I mean that, that that's fine. But it's just I always thought that was kind of strange. I always actually it's just weird to think that he never came back until Xenoblade X to work with like to directly work with Agashi in. Oh, uh, you mean like the character designs, or? Yeah, the character designs. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That mm. was weird. That I mean, I'm glad. I was glad to have Kanehiko Tanaka though. I back though. I I know some people were kind of mixed on how the character models turned out for X. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting with Tanaka. I'm looking him up right now, and there seems to be like weird gaps between his work. For example, Xenogears was the first game he worked on since 1991 with Popful Mail. Which is quite the gap. Tom been more on the... He's been doing the, doing stuff for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been around for a while. It's just interesting when I see, like, kind of a large gap there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of... Yeah, I, I feel like it's... Well, no, I I like really like his designs for Xenoblade Two that he contributed. Um, I don't know if they worked out so well in Xenoblade X, but I feel like I don't know if because I don't know if they the designers were more talented or, or got more experience after Xenoblade X, but everything just seems his with his art style just seems better in Xenoblade Two. Well, I think it's also because in two, you know, a lot of the artists they were kind of just like free to do their own thing. They didn't really have to conform to a particular style. Uh, Which I know a lot of people complain with Blade Two. They they always complain, oh, it's all inconsistent. But I kind of like that better. One of the reasons why uh, things look a bit uh, between those two games is uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tanaka's designs are. They're hard to translate into 3D. That's kind of been parodied a lot, but it's it's true. But it's, yeah, uh, I think the other thing is that uh, the approach for Xenoblade 2's designs. A lot of people think that it's like you see cell shading and stuff like that, and they think it's it's more it must have been more complicated to work on than, than Xenoblade X's models. So that, that's not true at all. The no. entire basis for that style it, it was to make it more. A little looser. It's a looser style that you can adapt and animate. It's, it's way easier. Mm. It was more for convenience than anything else. Ah. Um, and I think uh, with, with Tanaka, sort of, obviously he's still doing it in his style, mm-hmm. but they still have to like adhere to some of the shading and stuff, and a lot of the uh, you know the cell shading and all that stuff. It, it just becomes easier to work with. Uh, you know, it wasn't like. Uh, it just wasn't as complicated to do. I still think a model like, say, like his his design for Cross was it was still probably more complicated than like like Rex. His, his character yeah. design is is actually very easy for them to animate. But uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, with Xenoblade X, it was uh, yeah, it was a little rough to work with that. They also work they're working with the Wii U hardware for the first time. Oh yeah, and that was uh, that was the real nightmare. I'll get to, I'll get to that game because uh, uh, I've had the uh, I've had the privilege. You got to put privilege in really thick quotations here <laughs> to play to play the beta of the game. And it's oh. it's it's actually kind of terrible. So, jeez. Uh, yeah, also had the, I guess on the subject, I completely forgot about this. I've actually had the chance to play Xenosaga Three's uh, two of their betas. But oh, really? The changes are not nearly as awkward and drastic as Xenoblade X. Xenoblade <laughs> X is like a it's like a horror story. <laughs> Xenosaga Three is like okay, this is Xenosaga Three, but the portraits look really weird. And the trap logos are really ugly. <laughs> and Shion keeps asking me to save the game every time I use one of her attacks because didn't voice everything yet. That, oh. That's basically just weird stuff like that, like like quaint stuff. But Xenoblade X, it's just uh, again, I'll get to it in, in, in a second, I guess. This marks the end of part one with our Zeno chat with Pure. Tune in next time when we continue our discussion um, with Pure, and uh, well, yeah, we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening.